Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. The good news, we have some real actionable information on teams at this point, so we can analyze the lines with an eye toward what we've seen over the last two weeks. The bad news, some notable injuries have thrown everything out of whack, and everything is crazy. As we're going to talk about the differences in the movement in the lines in both the Steelers 49ers game as opposed to the Seahawks Saints game, considering the injuries to Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees is really interesting. We'll get to all of that and more today. And with me to break everything down is Rufus Peabody, a professional sports better and analyst. You can find his stuff at Massey Peabody Analytics and follow him on Twitter at Rufus Peabody. Rufus, thanks for joining me. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. We're recording this late. We're roughly getting into the fourth quarter of the Jets-Browns game, and we were late because you had a bowling. I had a bowling, and I just, yeah. I just want you to know that I was telling you I respect that uh, significantly, and that's why I had no problem moving the podcast because it is the thing that I'm actually best at in life, and we just found out we live like an hour from each other. So maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe you and I will talk some sports gambling, and maybe we'll get together for a nice little bowling match. What do you that say? That sounds amazing. So I have to ask, what's what's your highest score ever bowling? Uh, 224. That's pretty good. Not bad, right? What about you? Uh, 278. Okay, so we're not really in the same league then. But I, I get it. I, I'm going to I'm gonna rescind the invitation to go bowling, if that's okay with you, because I, I don't really want to be embarrassed. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a high-variance bowler, so I can be really good or really bad. All right, I'll take it then. Well, anyway, today we're going to go through every over-under and spread for the Week 3 games. Now, for both these spreads and the over-unders, we're going to be using the bettingpros.com consensus numbers. That is an aggregation of the odds that are available on the market. And as I always note, there are going to be some differences at the various sports books, particularly this week with all the chaos, so make sure to shop around. But for now, just know that when I list any given odds, they're bettingpros.com consensus odds. All right, my friend, let us begin with the Thursday night game, the Titans at the Jaguars. Right now, it's at the Titans laying one and the over-under at 40. I saw this opening at spots as the Titans laying two and a half, so it has moved a little bit. It is the lowest over-under of the week, which makes sense. Do you have any sort of reaction to that line? Because, I mean, the the minus one, as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty irrelevant to me, right? I mean, at that point, it could be the Jaguars minus one. It wouldn't really matter. Right, right. I mean, you you do see more games land on zero now with the new overtime rules in the last few years but still i mean uh you know that line frankly surprised me surprises me i think i expected it to be a little higher i personally like the the titans and i've already actually you know laid that laid minus one um and and have a full position down for me so i'm not going to be adding no matter what at this point but you know i hate i hate being on road favorites it just feels wrong but this line just i think i'm i'm higher than the market on tennessee in general and i actually kind of leaned to jacksonville last week so um and, and i think you know gardner Minshew is a bit of a wild card and you know he did not play well last week to be quite honest but i mean i i still think he's uh not a huge huge downgrade from um you know from nick Foles. so uh, you know i depending looking at my like team level model my player level model like 
together. I mean, I, I think the spread should be right around like four and a half towards the Titans. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the Jaguars kept it close uh, against um, the Texans this past week. They went for two at the end, so they, they easily could have run. There was a report tonight uh, that Jalen Ramsey wants out and he is requesting a trade. I, I don't really think he's going to get one before Thursday, um, and I don't necessarily know what impact that would have, even if he did anyway. I don't think cornerbacks necessarily are the type of players who are going to move lines like that. But regardless, that just may indicate that the Jaguars are slipping into a little bit of disarray here. So I think favoring the Titans um, when it's essentially a pick is probably the right way to go. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's a Thursday game, so there's not that much time, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it move a little bit more towards the Titans at this point. All right, Broncos at the Packers. Packers here are laying eight, and the over-under is at 43.5. This has moved just a tiny bit. It opened from what I saw, at least yesterday. It was at Packers laying 7.5, so it's moved half a point in favor of the Packers, and the over-under has moved down from 44 to 43.5. I mean, two teams with pretty solid defenses. How do you feel overall about that line? Eight, Packers laying eight, and over-under at 43.5. Well, the Packers' defense has been kind of... I mean, they've, they've, they've been really, really good the first two games. And I don't think we really expected that going into the season, at least. You know, my numbers didn't, you know. So my prior on them was was not particularly high. And at this point, we have to remember, it's only been two games. You know, there's teams that look really good and look really bad. And, uh, you know, but, you know, there's teams that have really good weeks 11 and 12 too, but we don't overreact to those because we have this, you know, we have a lot of games under our belt at that point and we don't at this point. So I, I would caution, you know, against um, overreacting to how green Bay's defense has played. Like they've played well and there is predictive value in that, but at the same time, it still is only two games. So I think that, um, you know, I haven't run, I don't have my numbers for, for the total yet, but you know, if it was last week, you know, I, I would have, uh, the total much higher than the market. So uh, I still think I probably will lean over if anything. And I kind of lean a little to Denver here too. I don't think that, you know, I think Denver's defense is still substantially better than the Packers defense, despite, you know, what we've seen in actually by substantially looking at it now a half a point better, but still that's better. Yeah. And, and I'm actually kind of bearish on the, on the Packers as a whole, you know, which kind of surprisingly, you know, they still have Aaron Rodgers. He's getting older, though. Um, he is in a new system, but uh, you know, I I kind of think that that line might get down to just seven. Um, we'll see. I, I'm I'm planning on um, I, I lean towards the Packers, or sorry, not, I, I lean towards the Broncos. So I'm 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 hoping it goes up a little bit so I can get a better price on Denver. But um, my guess is it'll you know close at seven. That's if I had to guess, yeah. This strikes me as something where the public and the sharp bettors are going to be a little split. I think that the public is going to look at the Broncos and kind of be like, the Broncos stink. And they're going to look at the Packers and be like, the Packers are great. And they have Aaron Rodgers and suddenly they have a defense, which, by the way, I do think is legitimate. I realize that it has been two games and that is a good point. But they obviously made tons of additions in the offseason and it's it's coming to fruition so far. They haven't faced the most explosive offenses here against the Bears and the Vikings necessarily. But I do think it's legit and at home. So it is something where I, I imagine that the line is probably going to drop back to about seven and a half. I don't think it will get down to seven, but I think it's probably going to be one where there's going to be a split among the public and the sharp betters is my guess for basically the exact reasons that you said. Go ahead. That makes a lot of sense. And also, I just want to point out, I'm looking at my game grades here. In Green Bay, I didn't, you know, 
they they played well on defense against Minnesota, obviously limiting Kirk Cousins, um, who is a Redskins fan. I mean, it, I guess, you know, the Redskins do a lot of things wrong, like everything wrong, but maybe they were right not to, to let Kirk Cousins go. Um, but Green Bay, they, they actually had a subpar uh, game grade, according to my numbers, on offense. So, you know, um, they, you know, obviously Denver's pretty bad on offense, but Green Bay is... <laughs> Their, their offense has not been good in either of the first two games. Yeah, I know one thing we're not even talking about because I haven't heard anything on it. It did look like Aaron Rodgers kind of sustained some sort of arm injury in late in that game. Um, he didn't throw very much towards the end. There hasn't been any word on it. But you will want to monitor that because if it is anything that could at all limit him, you probably want to come in on the Broncos uh, there. By the way, I do just want to point out that you being a Redskins fan and me being a Jets fan maybe makes this the saddest podcast of, of all time. But we're, we're going to try to power through it. Let's move on to the Falcons at the Colts. The Colts here are laying two and a half, and the over-under is at 47 and a half. That's down from about half a point from where uh, it opened. Both teams are coming off big wins here. I'm a little surprised by it. I, I thought it would be more like one, not that it really makes a difference um, when it's under three necessarily, but I, I think I thought that it was going to be after the Falcons big win, it was going to move down a little bit, but it stayed at two and a half right from the thought, right from the start. Uh, any thoughts on that Colts laying two and a half over under at 47 and a half? You know, I, I kind of agree with you on that. And and the Falcons are an interesting team to me because basically the, the my, my individual player numbers like show that they, are a much more talented team than their actual game results have indicated. And that's kind of gone back. That's been, that was the same last year as well. So it, it seems like they're a team that's kind of underachieved. Um, you know, they're, they're, their offensive line play has not been good. Um, and I was expecting it to be a little better, but you know, I, I do think that in, in Jacoby Brissett for, for the Colts, I, I kind of thought that the market would, um, would have valued Aaron or sorry, Aaron, uh, Andrew Luck a little bit more than it has, but, but Jacoby Brissett has, has proved to be um, quite serviceable so far, and, and obviously the Colts also have a lot of talent. But I, you know, Atlanta did. Um, let's see, where where was their game grade last week? Um, yeah, that was late last. They night, were so. uh, the thirteenth best. So they they, they basically I, I had them as a point two five points better than average, meaning that if you, um, I mean, that's adjusting for their opponent and adjusting for home field advantage. Indy played a little bit better. Uh, 0.4 points better, but um, man, everybody was very, very clustered this past week. So, um, yeah. yeah, so, so it, it, I, I make, you know, honestly, my, my models diverge here a little bit, but I like the Falcons here at plus three. And yeah, I'm already it, down at Falcons at plus three. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it may close under field goal. Yeah, well, right now we've got it. The consensus at two and a half. So it is already down um, a little bit than if you, if you saw it at three. Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> I honestly don't. I mean, I, I've been pretty big on the Colts um, coming in. I, I thought that the total freakout, I get it. I mean, Jacoby Brissett is not Andrew Luck. He's nowhere close to Andrew Luck. But I, I feel like everybody had 2017 in their mind, and they thought he was just going to come in and be terrible, like when he was signed off the street that year. But that's not what this is. It's a different offensive system. It's a different team. And he was taking first reps for the entire preseason. So, I, you know, I like them. I think they're competent. I'm still a little bit surprised just because I feel like Colts laying two and a half begs people to take the Falcons um, at that point. Um, and I think it will. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised um, to necessarily see this line actually move down. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at this point, that, that strikes me as a line that I was surprised to see where it was and I would expect it um, 
perhaps to even drop a little bit. So uh, if you uh, if you like the Falcons, I, I think that I'd probably get it now personally. Yeah, and and Brissett, I mean, I think the Colts the Colts do value Brissett pretty highly. They they did trade uh, what a third rounder to the Patriots for him. Yeah, and they signed him to an extension. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of giving him the franchise tag, but you know they do like him, and uh, he can run that off. It's a great system, and they're a great team. It, you know, outside of Brissett, I'm not saying anything about him. He's fine um you know he can start in the nfl but they have an elite offensive line they've got a solid defense mac is a pretty decent running back ty hilton is still good they they really they have a very strong team and if you have somebody who knows that system they can be good but again at this point i i don't think the public has really caught on to them necessarily i mean maybe because they beat the titans that's what they're thinking but again i i'm i'm a little bit surprised by this uh i thought that the spread would be a little bit closer here um and i wouldn't be surprised to see money come in on the falcons and see it move down let's move on to the ravens at the chiefs i, I was a little bit surprised by this one this has the chiefs laying six and a half it was at six now the total right now is at 55 and a half in our consensus rankings i saw it open at 52 so i think betters most likely hammered the over here and you can understand why this is the first game of the season in arrowhead and the ravens have played some soft competition so for me when i looked at this i was i i get the ravens have been incredible and lamar jackson has been great but they've played the dolphins and they've played the cardinals those are not strong defenses i was really surprised that this was under a touchdown here given how uh, Mahomes has looked. So what's your reaction here? Chiefs laying six and a half and the over under at 55 and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised too, just given the sort of Lamar Jackson hype we had week one and the fact that he backed up that performance with another good performance, at least on the surface last week. So the other, I mean, I'm not surprised that the total is so high and, and that's a, that's something where I'm going to be playing the under for sure. I think that it might be one where I'm going to wait a little bit um, as well. Right now it's Monday night. I haven't bet any totals yet. The number, I mean, limits just are not high enough at this point. But um, I'm, I'm, I lean towards Baltimore here. You know, honestly, it depends on what you think of Lamar Jackson and how much you value two games this year versus what you saw last year. And I think, just, I guess, from, I mean, not a non-modeling perspective, um, intuitively, I mean, the. Ravens have had all offseason to design a system around Lamar Jackson's strengths. And it seems like they've definitely done that and done that well. And that's that's kind of hard to model. And so the fact that my player value on Lamar Jackson going into the season was not, frankly, pretty poor, like like 25th best quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think that, you know, it. I, I don't actually believe that right now because I do believe they have designed a really good system around him. And so... Um, my my team level model actually makes the game a three and a half point spread. So I, I interesting. I do... Okay, so you were surprised. You were saying sorry to I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, but you were ba- because I came in and I said I'm surprised this wasn't at a touchdown. You sounded like right off the bat. You basically said you were surprised that it was as high as it was, right? Well, you have the Ravens defense, which is a fantastic unit, and I believe I have them as the best defense in the NFL. Um, yes, I do by a substantial margin. So. Uh, you yeah and yes out Lamar- of curiosity out of curiosity sorry again i don't mean to cut you off but i'm no. interested in you know you're a very analytical guy i really want to get into this H- how does that is that based because again they have faced you know they faced the dolphins which really doesn't count i mean essentially right you can essentially throw that out and they face the cardinals how much does that take into account the fact that they played two offenses that really 
kind of struggled to move the ball. I mean, I realize that Kyler Murray looked fairly good um, this past week, but I mean, how much does that take into account if they're the best defense in the NFL, given who they've played so far? Oh, it, it definitely takes it into account. Like it, it's more, the reason that I have them as the best is because that's basically what I expected them to be going into the season. They were the number one defense in the NFL by over a point over number two, Chicago in my ratings going into the season. So, um, and basically that hasn't changed much, at least at the top. I mean, personally, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think people, you know, Miami's obviously awful, but they have played the Patriots and the Ravens, which yes. are two, like two teams that are, you know, possibly, super, you know, Patriots, obviously a Super Bowl contender and Ravens are a team that I think have a good chance to get a first round bye this year and win their division. So actually, wait, you have Patriots and Chiefs that are the best teams in the football, but like <laughs> the Ravens are not too far behind um, given their defense. And so they don't need Lamar Jackson to be incredible. They just need him to be decent and they have, a, you know, they, they are, they're a Super Bowl contender. So, um, I don't think, you know, it's just like, you know, the Patriots held the Dolphins to what, 60 yards in the first three quarters of football, which mm-hmm. yes, they're the Dolphins, but holding any team to 60 yards over three quarters is really impressive. So I, I don't think, and, and I don't think we can just throw out the Ravens performance against the Dolphins and just say, oh, it was just the Dolphins. No, I, and again, I don't mean to be doing that whatsoever. I think the Ravens are certainly uh, a strong team and I like them right now in the North, especially with Roethlisberger's injury and they weren't looking great anyway but it's just man the Chiefs at this point and what Mahomes is still able to do just really scaring but this is great we're bringing two different perspectives you sort of felt like the line should have been lower I felt like the line should have been higher so I'm interested to see where this one uh, is going to end up let's move on to our next game the Bengals at the Bills the Bills here are laying six now I did see this open in a lot of spots at the Bills laying four so it has moved up a bit here and the over under at 43 and a half this is also something where I saw it open up at 42 Um, I mean the Bills defense has been really strong through two games I haven't faced the toughest competition the Bengals were surprisingly competent against the Seahawks in week one not so much in week two against the 49ers the six points you know strikes me as a little bit of an overreaction but I mean I'm not sure what do you think what's your reaction to Bills laying six over under at 43 and a half well personally so as, as I said before you know it's a, we've only had two games so far so going into the season I had the Bills as uh, 0.35 points better than average league average on defense and after two games I now have them at one point plus 1.39 so they only go up a point, which kind of, it, you know, I feel like that seems like an underreaction, right? But it is, I guess what I'm saying is that's basically what the numbers bear out. Mm-hmm. And I I hate Cincinnati. I mean, I, my rate... I, <laughs> like I hate, the city? Hate, the city or the or the Bengals? I hate my, my numbers on Cincinnati. It feels like <laughs> I'm always too high on them for some reason because Andy Dalton is has a lot of experience and his been a serviceable quarterback over the years he's obviously not a superstar or anything like that but he's you know he's not luke falk right <laughs> all right gratuitous so, but go ahead who i called nick falk earlier accidentally but <laughs> i you're just again you were thinking of nick falk the former jets kicker but uh, go ahead so here's a question for you if you let's say you you, tr- you put andy dalton as quarterback of the bills and josh allen as quarterback of the Bengals, how does that line change 
Wow, that's a great question. Gosh, I, my guess is it would move a couple of points uh, towards the Bengals, I, I guess. It would be more like the Bills at home uh, laying, I'd, I'd probably put it at laying three. I, that, I, I will admit that I don't really know what to make of the Bengals at this point, right? Because I was really impressed with what they were able to do in Seattle in week one. Zach Taylor's offense, you know, it looked good kind of exciting they're they're down um AJ Green their offensive line is in shambles that's that's also part of it I don't know if Cordy Glenn is going to be able to come back but then they look terrible terrible against the 49ers they couldn't tackle anybody they couldn't move the ball well so I don't really know what what do you what would it move in your opinion if, the, if you swapped quarterbacks so I, I would move it three points towards Cincinnati yeah or sorry no, no away from sorry wait wait towards Buffalo away from Cincinnati really excuse me because excuse me, I'm so the other issue, I, I, I don't want to say issue, but but I think one thing that my model does not do is react. Um, one thing it does do, I guess, is it underreacts to sort of quarterbacks early in their career. It, it is very slow to react to a guy being good that is a young guy. So it because okay. there are so many guys that you know have a few good games at the start of their career and don't end up doing that much, and it does if. Like, this is kind of what the data bears out. And so uh, a guy like Baker Mayfield, who everybody was crowning, like, you know, thinking was this guy that had a chance to contend for MVP and, you know, lead Cleveland to the playoffs and possibly Super Bowl um, this year, you know, I still have him as a league average quarterback, basically, you know? Yeah. And so I have Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen, um, you know, he was, what, top 10 pick overall. Um, Mm -hmm. But... He, Dalton has a track record, I guess I should say a track record of mediocrity, but I still have him as above elite, above an above league average quarterback somehow, which is kind of why I hate Cincinnati, because I'm like, there's no way he's an above average quarterback. It doesn't feel like he is, but he also is on the Bengals, and they tend to kind of be very frugal with their money and not really spend on players. And Sure. What do you what do you think about Bills laying six? I mean, what's your a gut reaction to that? Is I, I, that... Took, I took Cincinnati plus six. Okay. All right. So I think Cincinnati for you know one thing they do have in general is a lot of continuity on their team from last year. There's not a lot of roster turnover, and the Bills do have a lot of roster turnover, which you know a lot of that is a good roster turnover. I should say it's not guys leaving that. I mean, you do, you did, they did lose LaShawn McCoy, but running backs don't really matter very much. Uh, that is basically no downgrade there, but they brought in some players that they thought are going to help improve them on the offensive line at wide receiver, for example. Whereas the Bengals um, had a lot of continuity and they had a very bad offensive line last year. They, their offensive line graded out like horrendously. And it's, this is kind of one of those regression the mean things. It's like, well, this is a professional franchise's offensive line. Like it, it can't be, it can't be any worse and it should be better just due to like randomness, just due to like, you know, it, it, it is hard to be that bad back to back years, that type of thing. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, look, I, I'll be honest. I did not have a strong reaction to this. I, I don't really know what, what you're supposed to do with this. I lean Cincinnati at Bill's length six, but you feel 
much stronger that probably the spread would have been much more fair if it were lower and closer to Cincinnati, which I think is fair. Um, I, I, I think that the public is probably going to be on the Bills because I think the public views things rather sort of simply as the Bills kind of looking relatively good in the opening, and they'll have that taste of watching Cincinnati get destroyed by the 49ers. But I agree, it's at least something that should be much closer. I don't know whether or not the spread's going to move, but I think if you can early going, if you can get in on Cincinnati, that probably makes sense. Let's move on to my Jets at the Patriots. Patriots are currently laying 18 and a half. Uh, look, this was at 17 at one point when I checked yesterday. I think it may have opened at 13 or something like that. The over-under was at 46 and a half. It was at 48. Now, uh, my guess, although, I mean, the Jets looked terrible while Trevor Simeon was throwing the ball, um, but with Luke Falk, I, I can't imagine that the spread is just going to hang out here at 18 and a half. I've got to think that it's probably going to move to at least 20 when you're dealing with a guy who's basically never played quarterback in the NFL, right? Yeah, I think it's going to go up a little bit. I, I didn't. I showed maybe a touch of value towards the Jets with Simeon, but not much. Um, I made it right around 16. Okay. And. You know, I'm not following the game very closely right now with 23 to three in the fourth quarter. You're so. lucky. You're just yeah. consider yourself lucky. It's it's well, not pretty. The Jets are not going to improve from this. So, and I think that the narratives. Um, I mean, I think um, I think that line's going to get driven up largely by this narrative of the the Patriots being this unstoppable force and the Jets, um, you know, 0 and two and with their third string quarterback. Like, um, I think it could get up there on Miami Dallas territory. Yeah, no, I think, and we'll get to that in a minute, which right now is at uh, 21 uh, sitting here unless it's continuing to move. But I agree. If you wake up and you see it's still at 18 and a half, I personally would have zero problems if you've seen it. It's going to move. Um, I mean, the Jets look abysmal. They are down um, some key players on defense uh, right now, but it's really not going to make a difference. They're not going to be able to move the ball very well, regardless of who's a quarterback, um, if it's not Darnold, against a strong Patriots defense. So to the extent you can get in on it while it's at 18 and a half, I would go ahead and make that move personally. Now, before we move on, I do want to tell everyone about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. BetMGM is the easiest and best way to place a bet if you are in the state of New Jersey. Just search for and download the BetMGM app on your phone or visit BetMGM.com, sign up for an account, and you can place a bet right from your home. They offer a ton of features that make sports betting even better than it already is, like early cashouts, where you can settle a bet before the game ends to lock in winnings or cut your losses. You've got the ability to track your bet in real time, and you see daily boosted bets and promotions across all major sports. And right now, they're offering a risk-free $500 bet. Here's the deal. When you download the BetMGM app and you sign up using our promo code Harris, that is my last name, Harris, then your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free. If you lose, BetMGM is going to credit you the amount you lost up to $500 for future wagers. Just download the app and use the promo code Harris to claim the promotion, and you can go to betmgm.com for further details. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet. Visit betmgm.com for the full list of terms and conditions, and if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
All right, buddy, let's move on to the Lions at the Eagles here. The Eagles are currently laying seven. It was at seven and a half, and the over-under is at 48, and it was at 49 and a half. My guess is that this downward movement is most likely because of the injuries that the Eagles sustained last night. Both Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey missed pretty much the entirety of last night's game against the Falcons. Dallas Goddard was out. They're just devastated by injuries. So right now, though, looking at it, uh, you know, those guys are both questionable. Sounds like Deshaun may play. Not so sure on Alshon. Um, the Eagles are laying seven, and the over-under is at 48. Lions at the Eagles. What do you think? I like the Lions here. Their defense has, you know, obviously Matt Patricia gets a bunch of crap, um, but their defense has been impressive so far this year. You know, they haven't they haven't played world beaters exactly. Uh, they had faced rookie Kyler Murray and played a really good half and then let him back into it and – but the Chargers actually, the Chargers are a good team. Although I tend to think that, you know, Philip Rivers at some point is, we're going to see some kind of big decline. Although I hope not because I managed to be stuck with him on my fantasy football team. <laughs> no, the Lions defense, I, I was surprised at, at how good they've played so far this season. There, I have them as 0.8 points above league average. And I think that that spread should be, um, should be closer to a field goal, to be honest. I'm not a, wow, big, that... I'm not a big believer in the Eagles and Carson Wentz. And okay. Carson Wentz, it's it's interesting because um, Carson Wentz, I guess, it feels like what he's been in the league three or four years now. But I think everybody keeps expecting him to sort of take that next step because he showed flat. Like his first year, he showed a bunch of flashes, um, and he just hasn't really taken it. Yeah, I mean, he's of course he's battled injuries for oh, yeah. for most of his career. He can uncork some throws. I think you know, it, last night too, he was basically getting pulled down. He got rid of the ball a split second before his knee hit the ground, and he got so much on it. it. It's really impressive that he's able to do it. I'm a little more bullish on the Eagles, but I do agree that at this point, the seven-point spread kind of undervalues the Lions. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily think I'd have it closer to a field goal. I think it should be more like six under the key number of seven. But, you know, my initial reaction, even on the road, I agree the Lions have been impressive so far. I mean, I think that they should have lost um, against the Chargers. The Chargers kind of gave that game away. But I do think that they've been impressive. So, uh, you know, it, some of it may depend on the injuries, but I imagine that the spread is going to roughly stick right around seven. I could see it maybe dropping to six and a half, maybe even six, if uh, the uh, Eagles continue to battle all the injuries. But it is something where I think my initial reaction to it was it undervalues the Lions at this point. And by the way, I think you're right. Like the Chargers, I have the Chargers in my game grades as half a point better than the Lions overall. But the yeah. Lions, Lions defense was a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it, this is what the Chargers kind of do, and we could break down that game for a long time. I mean, you know, Austin Eckler fumbling as he went into the goal line, and, you know, uh, Rivers throwing a, a pick at the end zone and missing the it, trying a field goal with a backup kicker instead of going for it on fourth. And, you know, it was just a bunch of things. But I, I think that the Chargers should have won that game. But I was impressed watching that game with the Lions, in particular uh, their defense. And they have weapons on offense. You know, TJ Hawkinson didn't do anything yesterday, um, but he is a, a big presence. Kenny Galladay is still good. Carrion Johnson can still get it done. Marvin Jones is, is kind of underrated. He hasn't been that involved yet. So they've got a lot of uh, weapons that they can do. So I do think that uh, if it stays at a touchdown, I will like the Lions probably here. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it drop just a bit. 
Let's move on to the Raiders at the Vikings. The Vikings here are laying eight and a half, and the over-under is at 42 and a half. Now, this originally opened from what I saw. It was at seven and a half, so it's moved about a point in favor of the Vikings. I don't know whether or not that's a reaction to the Raiders coming down to earth a little bit against the Chiefs yesterday, although that's probably a little unfair. They are dealing with some injuries here. Tyrell Williams and Josh Jacobs are both banged up a little bit. I haven't seen anything that suggests that their availability is in question at this point, but how do you feel about uh, the Raiders at the Vikings. The Vikings currently laying eight and a half with an over/under of forty-two and a half. You know, I don't have a strong opinion there. I, I make the line um, right around six and a half, so it's not big enough spread for me at this point to, to take it. And regarding the injuries, though, I think that the running backs and wide receivers—it feels like those are the injuries we notice the most. But at the same time, those are the. You know, my numbers have shown those are kind of the least important positions, meaning they're sort of the most replaceable. Yeah. And so, I mean, offensive line's got to move it much more than that, right? I don't know if it moves the line more, but it should, for sure. We'll talk about in a bit, of course, you've got two major quarterback injuries that we're going to talk about. And the impact of the lines, which I'll really want to pick your brain on a little bit, is vastly different. I mean, the movement in what happened to the line with the Saints versus what happened with the Steelers pretty different there so we will talk about that but in terms of this game I completely agree I I just you know what I do is when I look at a line I try to project the lines necessarily um and when I look at it I just I just did not have a strong feeling on this I I don't necessarily know if it's going to move anywhere I think eight and a half I don't think it's getting back down to seven or anything close to that um but it struck me as just right around kind of where it needed to be I don't really have a, a strong feeling on that so we'll see if it moves during the week but for right now uh, I'm not all that excited about it um, let's move to the Dolphins at the Cowboys here. You referenced it earlier. The Cowboys are currently laying 21 points. I believe it opened at 16 and a half, so it moved quite a bit. Uh, the over-under is 47 and a half. Now, a couple of, of updates here. I mean, we, we've seen the Cowboys look very good on offense, of course, so far. Um, we've seen the Dolphins look abysmal in pretty much every facet of the game. We mentioned what makes a difference necessarily in the line, so neither one of these things will probably move it either way, but there is no Michael Gallup in this one. Um, He sustained a a minor injury to his meniscus, so he's going to miss two to four weeks, including this game. And tonight, right before we recorded, the Dolphins traded Minka Fitzpatrick to the Steelers for a first-rounder. How do you handle generally these giant lines that we're seeing now with basically, you know, whenever the Dolphins play? I mean, what do you do with a line that's 21? You know, it's interesting because my model... I'll be the first to admit I'm not the best at dealing with outliers because I'd rather be good at predicting most of the games and miss on a few than set up a model to sort of handle a few really well and then not and be less mm-hmm. accurate on most. I guess it's 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 not like I'm uh, it's it's not like I'm on Wall Street and leveraging my taking these huge leverage positions and if if my if I'm not getting the parameter uncertainty model correctly i'm gonna lose everything on one bet right um i'm 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 allocating a specific amount on each bet so uh, no one bet is gonna really kill me so uh with that said i think that we tend to i found at least and this isn't in the nfl per se but in other sports like baseball um i found that overall the truly extreme teams i do tend to be to miss on a little bit like i'm too high on uh on on the extreme bad teams and too low on the extreme good teams the teams that end up being that truly extreme outlier team but the the funny thing is um there the market thinks that there are more true 
extreme teams than there actually are. We're, we're, we're too quick. The public is too quick to say, yes, this team is an outlier. This team is really, really like extreme good or really, really extreme bad. So it does seem right now like the Dolphins are an extreme bad team, but they've played two really good teams so far, and they do have a team of professionals that were mostly drafted in the NFL draft. They have a coach who has experience. Well, it's his first time as an NFL head coach, but but you know they have a coaching staff with people that have coached before. Um, these are they would still beat any college team by a mile, and so you know they. The, they did play like my my uh, I have game grades and they played um, fundamentally they were forty points worse than New England last week so uh, but but you know I, I'm I will be on Miami here um, and I actually took some at, at twenty one and a half earlier today if it goes higher I will take some more I just I I just think like. It, it, how can it possibly be that high? Like my, my numbers, I, I have it as a 15 point spread. So, <laughs> and I know that's too low, but yeah, I, is it, I, 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 I don't it. truly believe it should be 21 and a yeah. half points. You don't, you don't have Luke Falk is there is the Dolphins quarterback. You actually have someone serviceable who has played very well at times in his career in Ryan Fitzpatrick, although he's not played very well this year. Uh, and so, like this is a team of professional football players. Yeah, I get it. If you take another shot at the Jets, by the way, I'm ending the podcast. I'm just I'm just laying that out there right now, okay? You Luke Falk is like the best thing that's happened to uh the Jets season so far. So I for me, I don't know. I, I don't know how you do. I mean, historically, teams that are favored by twenty plus points I don't believe have fared uh, particularly well, but I, I don't know how to analyze this. I, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I don't want any piece of it. Everything to me is like 21. You got to take the Dolphins at this point, but watching them, it's just futility at its best. And I know they are a professional sports team and you, and you, you make all the right points. And when I analyze it, yeah, I think, you know what? It, the Dolphins here have value at this number, but it's something where I personally... <laughs> I just can't get in on it. I, I just, if for me, it's a stay away. Um, you know, I can't imagine if it got to like 24, I'd probably be forced to, but it's not going to get there. I don't think. And either way for now, I think I'd probably just avoid. So what do you, um, what do you think the, the square? Like, do you think that the, what is the quote, quote unquote, sharp side here? I mean, I, I, well, the sharp side was on the dolphins against the Patriots, right? I mean, I, they got, I believe a lot of money in, um, once that number started creeping up towards, you know, wherever it eventually ended up. My guess is the Sharps are going to be on the Dolphins at, at 21 or 21 and a half um, because they're going to see value in it. For me, there are some things and the same thing. And this is going to be simplistic, but I'm going to be honest about it. It's the same thing with Mahomes. I, it's very difficult for me when I look at a spread and I look at something and I say, this is what I think it should be. Because I think sometimes with a guy like Mahomes and what he is doing and with a team like the Dolphins at this point, it kind of makes me want to throw sort of everything that I have out the window. And just kind of not get involved. I, I know that that's not the way you need to be doing things. You need to be, you know, essentially analyzing it and, and taking the position that you think best represents where you need to be. But for me, looking at this, I just, I can't. I can't take the value that I see on the Dolphins because I really am concerned that this could be that outlier season where every spread is going to be 20 and above, except when they play the Jets, and it's going to be warranted. It could be. But, I mean, look at this. I mean, you, you have Dallas that started 2-0. The Dolphins have started 0-2. The Dolphins have been outscored by, what, almost 100, is it 100 points? Right around 100 points? 
90 something. Yeah. Um, About that. Yes. And the Cowboys have, you know, two convincing wins against two really bad football teams. And so I sort of think there's this whole, I mean, I think the narratives are really pushing the Cowboys up there and, and there is going to be like when you, when you see outlier performances, you know, luck is generally a contributing factor in some way most of the time. So I think they will come back to down to earth a little bit. I mean, you're, you're not going to have Fitzpatrick is going to throw two pick sixes every game. Well, you know, he did play for the Jets, and I've seen him do it. Um, well, maybe not every game. But, uh, yeah, no, I understand everything you're saying. I really do. It's just something at this point um, that I, I really it, – it's not something that I'm willing to jump in on. Let's move on here because we spent a lot of time in that game to the Giants at the Bucks. The Bucks are currently laying 6.5, and, and the over-under is at 48. Uh, Pat Shermer is not naming a QB at this point, so we, we don't know necessarily whether Eli Manning is going to be under center. Uh, the Giants look terrible. What's your reaction here? Bucks laying 6.5, over-under at 48. I mean, there's no reason the Giants should be playing Eli Manning at this point. He's basically had a three-year farewell tour in New York, and you know that team is going nowhere. But as much as it pains me to say it, I still think there's a little value there on the Giants if um, if you can get plus seven. I, yeah, yeah. What at what about six and a half? Are you in on them? Um, I already got in at plus seven. Okay, for a little bit, plus seven laying minus one sixteen. Yeah, my numbers my numbers actually do still like the Giants at six and a half. I hate to say it, but. Yeah, I, look, the early money that's coming in is heavily on the Giants, so I, I don't think you're alone there. Um, now, the spread has moved up from where it was originally. It was 5.5. It went to 6.5. I think you kind of got to wait here because we don't really know who's going to be under center, and it's kind of hard to make that move. If it is Eli, yeah, I mean, if, it, if I can get it at a touchdown, I'd get in on it. Uh, once it gets below that key number, it's a little nerve-wracking, but we'll, we'll need to see where it goes. But I do think if there is value on a team right now, it is on the Giants. Wait, and as much as it pains me to say it, if Daniel Jones is in a quarterback, that I mean, that hurts the Giants in the short term. But, yeah, I mean, it hurts I mean, them for the game, but I think it's better for their franchise. I, I I think we can be in full agreement that they Eli should not be the starting quarterback for the Giants right now. The impact on this exact game would probably be negative for them. I agree. Um, let's move on to the Panthers at the Cardinals. Panthers here are laying two and a half now. This was at three and a half, so they've moved it down closer towards the Cardinals. Uh, the over under has moved to forty six and a half. It was at 44. I mean, the Panthers have not looked good. Cam hasn't looked good. They do get extra time to prepare here. So what's your reaction to Panthers laying two and a half over under at 46 and a half? You're right. That, that extra time to prepare is worth something. I, I actually, I don't have an opinion. I make the Panthers uh, a little over three point favorite. So no opinion there. And, and the Panthers have looked bad, but um, again, it's only two games and, and they're against a t- uh, you know Arizona team that's in full rebuild mode with, you know, a, a ton of um, inexperienced players on defense and a rookie quarterback and a coach that got fired at Texas tech. So, right. um, Yeah. I'm, I'm personally, I'm a little surprised this moved below three Um, given the extra time off. um, I I really, I I think they're going to come out. And I think if you can get it below three, I would take that any day of the week. I realize that they're on the road, but I do think that the extra time to prepare the Cardinals have all sorts of problems on defense. I realize Murray and the offense looked a bit more competent, although they couldn't really get in the end zone um, against Baltimore. Uh, But I love uh, to me the early thing here. And especially it opened above the key number of three. It opened at three and a half. And the fact that it's moved to two and a half, you know, regardless of what that means, um, I personally like it if you can get the Panthers um, below that key number. 
Uh, before we get into our last few games, I do want to remind everyone that we are giving away an autographed Alvin Kamara helmet this month. To be entered into the contest, all you need to do is leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. And if you entered last month's contest and did not win then, you are automatically entered this month. So no need to worry about that. All right, let's move on to the Steelers at the 49ers. Now, of course, this has all gone crazy since Roethlisberger got injured. It uh, opened at the Steelers laying a point and a half. It is currently at the 49ers laying seven. To me, I don't know. That seems like a crazy move. Some of it could be due to the fact that the 49ers looked very good uh, dismantling the Bengals on Sunday. But, I mean, that's a huge move for quarterback I get that Mason Rudolph you know doesn't have experience but he looked competent against the Seahawks so I mean how do you analyze and what's your reaction to 49ers laying seven to the Steelers and the over under at 44 and a half you're right Rudolph has looked confident I know the sort of common perception here is that Bridgewater is not nearly as big a downgrade for the Saints as Rudolph is for the Steelers but um but my numbers kind of agree with that perception um I think that uh I I I think that that move is entirely warranted and it's um, I, I make the line actually uh, minus 7.8. So I think really, um, yeah, I am I'm, I'm honestly, I'm surprised and I, I don't want to be buying too much into what I saw yesterday. Of, of course, Bridgewater's, I mean, it's different. He's been in the system for several years, although Rudolph obviously has a little time there. Um, and Bridgewater has been a, a competent NFL QB, of course. But, I mean, eight and a half, I, you know, that that is a huge move to me. I'm not even saying that I think you need to jump on the Steelers or anything like that. Um, I do think that the 49ers are a, a decent team, better than people expected them to be. But um, that, that seemed like a huge move. But it sounds like you're right there and you think that the move was pretty much right. And you think it's probably that's probably where it'll end up, right? Right around seven? Having, I mean, quarterback is the most important position in the NFL by a mile. And if you know it's your quarterback is just as important as the 10 other players on offense combined so um that that's the reason for the move right there and it all comes down to what you think of mason rudolph and a guy that hasn't um you know was he did he have one start i mean he he's had some he's had a little bit of sporadic playing time but um you know a guy like that just the track record of guys with um zero one starts um, just is not very good. Yep. Well, I mean, it, it takes it time is, to adjust. It's fair. It's fair to the NFL. Just it struck me as again. I mean, I know quarterback, of course, the most important, of course, but especially we're going to see the the number on Breeze, and it's a different. It's Bridgewater, and and he certainly has experience, and he certainly looked competent um, in his career. But I mean, it, it's a much smaller move, which we'll get to in a second. But you're saying that's totally warranted, so I'm going to go with you. That's totally fine. 49ers laying seven, so my guess is that's probably around where it's going to be. It's a tough game, of course, to handicap because we we just we don't have that much data on Rudolph. It's more of sort of the analytical of what do you think when you lose someone like Roethlisberger to somebody who you really don't have. Um, much sort of tape on and and anything like that in the NFL. So, but uh, and to your ahead. point though about the 49ers dismantling the Bengals, they had uh, they were the second highest rated team in for my game grades last week and actually had a 99th percentile game, meaning literally it's better than one you know it's top one percent of of games. So they would have been um, basically the Patriots were a plus 18, the Niners were a plus 16. So that. Okay. Um, uh, you know their their offense and their offense had far and away the best week of any offense in the NFL. So there is a bit of an adjustment there. 
Yeah, and I agree. And that, that does make a little more sense than it's not purely eight and a half based purely on the downgrade to Rudolph. Although, I mean, it, maybe it's warranted, basically, what you're saying. But the 49ers, certainly their stock improved greatly with the win uh, over the Bengals. Let's move on to the Texans at the Chargers. The Chargers here are laying three and a half. It's moved from three. And the over-under is at 47 and a half. I'm a little surprised it got past three and it moved up. I, I mean, it strikes me as there being value on the Texans there, but what are your thoughts? Chargers laying three and a half over under at 47 and a half. So I, I have no opinion on this game. If anything, I lean towards the Chargers there. I have them as close to a four point favorite. Okay. Interesting. I, I mean, for me, this is about where it should be. I would, would have thought that it would have been at three exactly, which it was, which it opened at, but I guess, you know, they got probably some money in on the Chargers. Uh, I'm fine. I mean, the, the Texans certainly didn't look great um, this past week. I think that's a little bit more about the strength of the Jaguars defense, despite how they looked against the Chiefs in the opening week. Um, and I'm a little bit more bullish on the Texans, and I've basically talked about it all preseason. I like them overall as a team, but you're saying this is about where it needs to be, and there's no real value on either side, right? Right. And, and when you talk about the line opening and like it being bet one way, like initially on Sunday night, I don't think most people realize how little money it actually takes to move an opening line. Um, there could be a few thousand dollars bet offshore and move, and suddenly a line goes from two and a half to three, you know, or oh, yeah. from five and a half to six and a half. And it's, yeah, the market is not particularly deep on a, on a Sunday night with an opener. And it's not in general. I mean, there are easy ways to to move the market. If you bet at particular books like Pinnacle and Bet Chris, like the entire market's going to copy, and it does. And that doesn't mean that Pinnacle and Chris are taking the biggest limits. They're not. Um, sure. So I, I, it's it's easy to draw narratives, but some some moves, some of these moves are going to be real moves. Some of these moves are someone that doesn't have a huge bankroll and they can get down and they say, you know what, I can get my thousand dollars in here and I'm happy with that. And other people are saying okay i can dummy this and get a better price every place copies the move and i get a better price so no absolutely and look there are a lot of times where books open up and they're probably right in between numbers they're debating between three and three and a half and even the slightest bit of money can probably make that difference right off the bat uh let's move on to another interesting game we just talked about it the saints at the seahawks this opened at the seahawks minus one when breeze was healthy and it's now the seahawks laying four and a half so in comparison to uh, the Steelers game, this is a three and a half point move here with the spread, and the total is now at forty five and a half. It opened at fifty. I personally love this line. I think this is right where it needs to be. That's exactly what it struck me at with uh, Bridgewater starting. But I, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Seahawks laying four and a half and a forty five and a half total. Um, I, I basically agree. I make it uh, minus five point two. Yep. And this is it's a perfect line. It's yeah. a it's a perfect line. I don't think this is going to move whatsoever. I think it's going to stay at four and a half. I think it's going to be bet pretty evenly on both sides. Um, you know, it, it, I feel like casually, like, and we were just talking about quarterbacks. I feel like when you think about you know downgrading from Breeze, sort of, you know, it, it just it seemed like it should be worth more than three and a half points. But we talked about it. I mean, Bridgewater is a competent QB. He's been in that system. He'll have a whole week to prepare. And I don't think, given how the Bengals performed in Seattle in the opening week, I don't think necessarily that home field advantage. I don't think Seattle's quite as good, you know, as as they necessarily seem. They easily could have lost both the first two games so i think i don't think there's too much for us to say on it at this point i think we both agree that the lines are right about where they need to be right yep 
Wonderful. Let's move on to the Rams at the Browns. The Rams here are laying three, and the over-under is 51. We were recording this as the Jets-Browns game was going on. The Browns won big, but their offense really did not look good. Uh, their defense looked good, but I don't think you can really draw that many conclusions um, given that it was against the Jets with their third-string quarterback and a pretty poor offensive line. Um, so for me, when it was at two and a half, I mean, I loved the Rams here. Um, I still like them laying three, even though it's at... Uh, it's not going to stay at three. It's going to move, right? It's going to move pretty significantly towards the Rams. Oh, wait, actually. Oh, sorry. I was, think, I, I was oh. actually not thinking when I said that because you said it was a three. I mean, I don't know what, like, I don't think there's any plays with a line up right now because uh, the game's going on. But yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, well, all right. Where do you think it's going to be? Because to me, I think it's going to move, especially after this game, I think it's going to move pretty. I, I'm towards gonna, the Rams? I, yeah, towards I, the Rams. I, mean, I, I would have, I would think just based on the fact that Cleveland is, I assume I have not watched the game as as you all know I was at bowling league so crushing yeah, um, it at bowling exactly yeah. so uh, I I don't know how well Cleveland actually played in winning twenty three to three but I would ex- given they won twenty three to three I would think that they probably played better than expected they and, didn't I'm not all right so honestly you weren't watching they didn't I mean they they scored um you know one of the touchdowns was just a, a ninety yard sort of short slant and run by Odell Beckham um Baker Mayfield did not look good throughout the game they they really didn't I I think if you watch that game you do not come away impressed with the Browns but regardless would, would one performance I, I guess this early move the line that much because to me Rams laying three seemed too light um just at the look ahead uh spread so I'm I'm gonna expect this to move closer to four and I would get in on it at three personally you know one game you know I, I say don't overreact but it, like extreme performances can move lines in my opinion like um the Ravens week one game really, I think that made yeah. the Ravens rating four points and, and my numbers, uh, maybe a little more. I think San Fran, their performance against Cincinnati moved on three points in my numbers. So, um, right now going before the game, I, I made it Rams minus four and a half. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I don't think that this game is necessarily going to move it that much. I don't think people are going to look and be like, oh, my God, the Browns are terrible. But they're certainly not going to look at it and be like, wow, I got to I got to give the Browns more credit here. To me, it was much more about the fact that, yeah, four, four and a half. That's where I think it should be. And I think that's where it's probably going to go. Um, in the end, I could be wrong. It opened at two and a half, which shocked me. So I would still get in on it, even at the key number three. Um, and I think it's going to move probably a little more. But we will see what the reaction is here. Um, after this Monday night game. Let's go to our final game. Bears at your Redskins. The Bears are laying four, and the over-under is at 42. What do you think here? I will not have a play on this game. Um, I make it right around two and a half, but um, the Redskins do. I haven't gone through and finalized um, my snap count projections and everything for for a player model, and and the Redskins do have some injuries um, in their their defense um, in the secondary, and I'm I'm probably going to stay away from this at, at least at the current price. Uh, I agree. Um, I don't think this is a game that you can really touch because I don't think that it's. Po- I I think the Redskins have Im- impressed me a little bit just because I I really think I expected them to look more like the Giants. Um, and and they've certainly been a little better in the early going, at least uh, from the eye test. And the Bears, I I really just don't know. I at some point they're going to have to do something with the offense because Mitchell Trubisky. Looks terrible. Um, it's not creative at this point, which is surprising being it's Matt Nagy. But um, I agree. At the Bears laying four, it's just not something. It's not a, something where I would have a great feel for no matter what really happened to it. Um, 
And the over-under at 42, again, it's around where I would think. So for me, this is a stay-away game, and it sounds like you feel the same, right? Yep. All right, my friend. Well, that's it. We made it through all of them. Uh, I'm really glad that you could cut short your bowling league a little bit and uh, join me for this one. You provided a lot of great insight. I hope we can do it again. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app and use the promo code HARRIS to get your risk-free $500 wager. And don't forget to enter our September contest where we're giving away a signed Alvin Kamara helmet. Just leave a review for the show on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. We'll be back later this week giving some of our best bets for week three. I'll talk to you then.